0: Today is November 18th, 2020. Joe Biden starts to name his White House staff, causing a bit of an uproar from the left. Harry Styles enrages conservatives by wearing a dress. And Trump pulls troops from the Middle East. Welcome back. Welcome back. Split the difference, friends and family. Let me tell you, we got a great episode for you today. We've been doing all the research. We've been looking at the left. We've been looking over at the right. And we've been coming up with all that sweet truth that lies right there in the middle. I know what y'all are thinking right now. This is probably going to be the best episode that we've done yet. And I can assure you that inclination is correct. This is the best one we've done so far. I mean, we're looking at everything we need to be looking through talking through the fun stuff talking through the not so fun stuff bringing you guys what you need to hear if you are new to the show welcome in we're glad that you're here pull up a chair gather around and enjoy all of the great craziness that's happened in today's politics our goal is to be a little bit different here on this podcast we want to have a little bit of fun we want to be level-headed and reasonable And we want to look at stuff on both sides of the aisle and try to figure out where the truth often lies, which I think is normally in the middle. There's good stuff on the left, there's good stuff on the right, but there's also bad stuff on both sides as well. And being able to parse through all of that and kind of figure out where we need to land as a civil society that's trying to bring together a little bit of unity, that's what Split the Difference podcast is for. So with all of that having been said, let's go ahead and hop on in to our story number one. So for our first story of today, it's Joe Biden is starting to put together his White House cabinet and a lot of his White House staff. So, so far, he's thrown out quite a few different people. So he's got Jen O'Malley Dillon. So she was Mr. Biden's campaign manager. She will serve as his deputy chief of staff. We have Mike Donilon. I really hope that I'm pronouncing that right. Donilon, Mike Donilon, maybe a chief strategist on the Joe Biden's campaign, and he will be a senior advisor to the president. We have Steve Ricchetti, uh, Mr. Biden's campaign chairman. Uh, he will join the West Wing as a counselor of the president. And then we have uh, Representative Cedric Richmond. He's a Democrat, Democrat out of uh, Louisiana. Um, he was a national co-chair of Mr. Biden's campaign. Um, he's currently serving in Congress and he will be leaving Congress in order to serve as a senior advisor to the president, um, and director of the white house office of public engagement. So he's also a uh, thrown out a couple more people, uh, to serve in different areas, uh, as well. But those are kind of, I think some of the big ones, a lot of his chief of staff, um, a lot of his senior advisors and stuff like that. He's kind of starting to piece together, and we're starting to see a little bit of what Joe Biden is going to try and do when he gets there into the White House, right? We're kind of trying to see, is he going to you know, be a little bit more left-leaning? Is he going to be a little bit more moderate? What is, what's his goal? So far, he's said, and he's, I guess, told the country a lot over the past couple of weeks that he wants to be pushing for unity. He wants to be bringing uh, the country together in a lot of ways. Um, and it kind of looks like from his first picks that that's kind of what he's going for. Uh, the vast majority of the people that he's chosen so far are pretty moderate. Um, he's actually ended up he's actually getting a lot of pushback from this, but surprisingly, it's not from the right side of the aisle. Uh, interestingly enough, it's people within his own Democratic caucus that are giving him the hardest time about these picks. And namely, it is the far left wing of the Democratic Party. Honestly, not a huge surprise here. Um, I guess somewhat surprising in the sense of he's already coming under heat and he's already coming under fire from the far left wing of the party. But it's also not surprising that progressives would be attacking him because he is an outspoken moderate. um, And that's why he won the nomination in a pool of incredibly progressive candidates. So, uh, Justice Democrats, the Justice Democrats is basically a like small group of Democrats senators and House of Representatives that are, for the most part, self-proclaimed Democratic Socialists. So they are the far-left progressive wing of the Democratic Party in Congress and as an organization. Um, they are the ones, you know, that are pushing a lot of like the Green New Deal or pushing uh, government assuming a student, all of student loan debt or Medicare for all, a lot of the more left-leaning policies, right? So they are not big fans at all of some of the picks that Joe Biden has made, uh, namely uh, the representative Cedric Richmond and uh, Steve Ricchetti. So, Biden decided to go with some pretty moderate picks on purpose and the progressives are not really having it. So the left the left for the most part has kind of accused him of making of making appointments that are too quote corporate friendly. So the idea here is that democratic socialists and far progressives don't like large corporations. Especially in America they're not into it. They think that large corporations are basically the root of all evil because in a lot of senses socialism If you're going to push socialism in any sort of way, then you do have to be able to restrict free markets, and corporations flourish under free markets. So uh, as they obviously always tweet out all of their displeasures on their iPhones, um, and as they, you know, don't their $1,000 Armani suits when they walk into Congress, they're incredibly angry of large corporations. So Alexandra Rojas, the executive director of the Justice Democrats, uh, came out and blasted the appointments. She said, quote, If Joe Biden continues making corporate-friendly appointments to his White House, he will risk fracturing the hard-earned goodwill his team built with progressives to defeat Donald Trump. A Biden administration dominated by corporate-friendly insiders like Steve Ricchetti and Cedric Richmond will not only help the president-elect usher in the most progressive Democratic administration Oh, will not help the dem- the president-elect usher in the most progressive democratic administration in generations. So the idea here from Rojas is basically, you well this is this isn't how this works, right? We you teamed up with us, you you said that you wanted to be more progressive, right? That's why you have Kamala Harris as your vice president. Well, you can't just abandon all that and appoint moderates to your cabinet. That is crazy. You can't have moderates in there. Also interesting to point out here, um, that like Rojas Alexandra Rojas here is like flexing her muscles a little bit, like, oh, you're you're risking losing the progressive wing of the Democratic Party. That is not nearly as big of a wing as the Democrats would like to think and as the media honestly would like to push. The progressive wing, like the Justice Democrats in the House of Representatives, is a very, very small portion of the House of Representatives. And it's an even smaller wing within the within the Senate, right? There are not a lot of people that claim to be extremely progressive Democratic socialists in the United States that are also in Congress. Not a ton of those people. So when she's saying that he's risking losing all of the support from the progressive Democrats. Yes, of course, it's a portion of the electorate, but it's not that much. Okay, so um, who is Steve Ruchetti and who is uh, Representative Cedric uh, Richmond? So Steve Ruchetti is basically a big lobbyist. He's been a lobbyist for years. He's been in Washington for years and years. Um, he has a pretty—he's had a pretty large lobbying firm that he started with his brother, I believe, in like 2001, and spent has pretty much pretty much his whole career lobbying for very very large corporations on on you know Capitol Hill. Uh, he's worked for pharmaceutical companies, big drug makers. He's worked for like AT&T, a really very wide variety of different companies, all of them very, very large, at least large enough to be able to afford hiring a private consulting lobbying firm to be able to go up to Congress and schmooze some of the uh, congressmen and women and be able to vote the way that they want them to. So for the most part, though, he's a pretty moderate guy, right? In the past couple of years, he actually has been Uh, Doing a lot more, a lot of lobbying for more healthcare and pharmaceutical companies, which is why the progressive Democrats don't like him. Okay. If you support healthcare companies, you obviously are not going to be pushing Medicare for all. And that is a huge thing on the Democratic Socialist agenda, right? They want to be able to push for Medicare for all. And I guess I should go ahead and also mention that, like, it's not just the you know, supposed socialist, right? It's not just Bernie Sanders. It's not just Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. Like, it's not just the kind of like the progress, much much more progressive wing that want to push for Medicare for all. I mean, for the most part, there are a portion of the Democrats that aren't as progressive that do still want at least some sort of some sort of socialized health care, right? Well. The more progressive wing obviously really, really wants that. That's a huge agenda item for them. And if he has senior advisors like Steve Reschetti on his, you know, White House staff advising him on what he should and shouldn't do, universal health care is probably not going to be one of the things that he advises Biden to do if he's been lobbying for him for this whole time. So um, who is Representative Cedric Richmond? So he's a Democrat uh, House of Representative, out of uh, Louisiana pretty smart dude. Honestly, I haven't been able to find a whole lot of stuff about him that's been, you know, extremely noteworthy or that would scream to me that he's uh, any kind of crazy person. Like, I think that he's your pretty standard run of the mill blue dog Democrat, right? He's a pretty smart guy and he will be, I think, um, a decent pick honestly for Joe Biden, but, um, they don't like him. The progressives don't like him because they say that he's in the pockets of big oil companies. Um, they're basically saying he hasn't done nearly enough to be able to stop the oil crisis and to be able to stop climate change while he's been in Congress um, and that, you know, he hasn't bought into the Green New Deal and all that. So he's a terrible appointment for Joe Biden because Joe Biden needs more progressive people that want to be able to stop, you know, quote unquote, stop climate change. So I want us to think real quick why a representative from Louisiana wouldn't want to sign into effect the Green New Deal. Maybe it's because the large portion of his electorate is employed by the oil industry. (laughs) He lives on the Gulf, one of the largest (laughs) oil pumping uh, places in the entirety of the United States. That is a lot of their industry down there. He is supposed to vote in the way that his electorate wants for him to vote. Well, he's not going to vote in the Green New Deal because it wants to banish all of the oil industry. It wants to completely destroy the oil industry. So obviously he's not going to be voting for the Green New Deal. So what's clear is, okay, and it's apparently obvious, if Joe Biden is making all these cabinet picks and he's going through and he's deciding who he wants to be on his chief of staff and who he wants to be uh, running the West wing and who he wants to be advising him and who's appointing to all these different, because I mean, a president steps in and appoints, I mean, so many different people. If Joe Biden, all right, It's coming in and appointing people and naming people. And there are two groups that are furious about it. All right, If you have the progressive, the far-left progressive Democrats are furious about it, and you have the far-right-wing, far-conservatives that are furious about it, Joe Biden's probably making some pretty good picks. That's just going to be a rule of thumb that we can use. If if everybody that he picks is infuriating the fringes, then that means the majority of America is going to be like, All right, not too bad. I can't be too angry about that pick. So what it's looking like, and I could be completely wrong, obviously, but it's looking like we may end up getting a president who ran as a moderate and is going to step in and actually govern, hopefully, as a moderate, right? Um, will actually be somewhat similar to Donald Trump as much as, you know, you may hate Donald Trump. He ran saying that he was going to do extremely conservative things. And if you're a far right conservative, you loved Donald Trump. It's just the truth. He governed pretty conservatively. Um, Joe Biden, I think has been saying that he wants to bring unity. He wants to bring moderation. He wants to bring the country together. And by making more moderate picks, those are the steps that he has to, you know, the steps that he will need to be taking in order to kind of bridge some of that divide. So um, I honestly, I don't know a ton about a lot of the picks that he's made so far, but from the research that I've been able to do, a lot of them seem like they're pretty decent. Like, you know, they seem like just pretty normal, moderate candidate, uh, moderate people will be putting in those roles. And that's on in my part, obviously I'm, you know, I run a moderate podcast, but I'm a big fan of that. I think that's a good thing. I think there needs to be a, a, a gap that's a bridge between the left and the right. So, with all of that having been said, let's move on into our story number two. So, our second story of the day Harry Styles, the famous boy band singer, wears a dress and just absolutely causes a firestorm on the right. I mean, this is honestly probably one of the funnier stories that we've covered here on the podcast so far, Um, but I mean, the right side of the aisle has just been up in arms for like the past two or three days about this, Um, and you can always tell when there's not a ton to be talked about on the news and covered in the media when a story like a random singer wearing a dress on the cover of a magazine becomes this huge thing blown up all over the country, right? Like Nobody gives a crap if somebody's wearing a dress on the front of a magazine. Anyways, I'll get into that later. Basically, nobody has any further news on the election, right? Nothing new, nothing huge is coming out about that. It still isn't decided, right? We're all kind of sitting around just twiddling our thumbs, waiting for for it all to come in that Joe Biden won the election. Nothing huge has happened on any type of big foreign policy front. Donald Trump, honestly, is just doing the same thing that he's always doing, just blabbering on about all kinds of crazy election fraud stuff. So everybody the media is just kind of like, well, I guess we got to find something. We've always got to find something. And whenever something like that happens, that's always when you see the really, really big cultural things all of a sudden, just leap to the forefront of the newspapers, right? All of a sudden, you know, all the stuff that they know they're going to be getting a ton of clicks about and stuff like that, just boom, rises to the top, and all of a sudden, number one thing everybody's talking about is Harry Styles and a dress. So, what happened? We can hop in real quick and take a take a look at um, a video I think that covers this pretty well, basically giving a summation of what ended up happening. Let's listen in here. In case you missed it, Harry made headlines last week after being the first solo male figure to grace the cover of Vogue magazine's December 2020 issue, but it was his choice of fashion that got the people talking. Vogue shared many different shots of this month's cover star to social media where he posed in outfits including dresses and shirts that are typically targeted towards women. As many fans know, this isn't the first time that Harry has fashioned women's clothing or accessories, as seen by his previous red carpet looks. But this cover in particular where he donned a Gucci lace trimmed gown and tuxedo jacket was especially monumental. So, uh, right. So basically what happens is Harry Styles is invited and asked to come and be the cover model for Vogue. If you don't know what Vogue magazine is, it's basically a really, really popular women's magazine. And he was the first man that had ever been asked to be on the front of it. Well, in classic, you know, fashion like pretty much anybody else that wants... Ton of attention to make a lot of headway and a lot of news. He takes a whole bunch of pictures and dresses. Whatever. Or at least, whatever is the reaction that pretty much everyone had. Except, of course, Candace Owens. She comes in swooping in in order to save all conservative values. She just comes swooping in to save the day. So, before we start talking about what she tweeted and all the firestorm that she started. We actually have to talk through who Candace Owens is because many of you may not know who Candace Owens is. So she is a pretty far right wing political commentator that pretty much for the most part got famous for kind of being, and I I don't mean this in a derogatory way, but she really did kind of become famous because she was kind of like the token token African-American girl that all of these conservatives would bring on stage because she's extremely conservative. So she would come in. She's very smart. She's quick. She has very quick wit. She can argue well. And all of these conservatives, for the most part, started being like, well, it looks very good for us to be able to bring somebody on stage with us that's black because it appeals to more black people, obviously. So... Um, Candace Owens comes on and she starts, you know, hitting it with like turning point USA and Charlie Kirk, who is another far right political activist. Um, and she starts making her money basically on saying extremely controversial things that she knows are going to upset the left side of the aisle. She very purposefully comes out and says stuff that is like very brash, that um, is going to be incredibly upsetting to people that are on the far left, because she knows that's how she gets clicks, right? And that's how she gets listens in today's media. She's going to make a lot more money if she comes out and says stuff that's going to make a lot of people really, really mad. So she attacks a ton of things like black lives matter. Uh, she came out like a couple, like a day or two after G- the George Floyd, uh, after he was killed by a police officer, um, came out like a day or two later and started talking through about how he was a criminal and all of his criminal record. And he was actually a terrible person and all this stuff like didn't even give it time. Right. The dude had, not well, <laughs> had not even been buried yet. And she's came, coming out just saying all this bad stuff about him. Um, And now, of course, a great example is Harry Styles wearing a dress because she is purposefully looking to get a rise out of people and to fire up her supporters because that's how she makes money. She isn't dumb. She knows what she's doing. Okay. She uses this very, very emphatically over the top language on purpose because she knows it'll get a rise. So as soon as all this starts happening, she retweets. She retweets this Vogue album, or Vogue magazine cover picture, and she shoots out a tweet saying, quote, "There is no society that can survive without strong men." The East knows this. In the West, the steady feminization of our men at the same time that Marxism is being taught to our children is not a coincidence. It is an outright attack. Bring back manly men." and it just blew up. All these people retweeting it, going everywhere. Ben Shapiro, of course, gets in on the action. He's also another far conservative political pundit, and he's like, wait a second, I can't let Candace Owens get in here. She always gets in and has all the fun and steals all the limelight. I've got to get in and start saying some stuff too. So he dedicated almost the entirety of his podcast yesterday to talking about this story of Harry Styles basically going on and on about how uh this was a direct assault on conservative values by the left this was uh, they are purposefully trying to push Marxism and Maoism and they're purposefully trying to degrade society and this is just the first step on a slippery slope down the full degradation of everything that we hold true and dear as Americans so um if you enjoy listening to someone talk extremely fast for a very long period of time and say incredibly large words and use very emphatic language, that Ben Shapiro podcast is the one for you. If you don't, you should probably should avoid it. So um, I would also like to point out here, this is just a total side note talking about Candace Owen's tweet. Um, a large portion of the societies that have these, quote, strong men in the Far East, especially, um, definitely do it at times at the expense of sub all out subjugation of women. So I'm really confused because Candace Owens oftentimes like really really rips on the Middle East a lot. Like she was a huge supporter of Donald Trump like ending all travel and everything coming from Middle Eastern countries that are predominantly Muslim. So maybe she's talking about I don't know like Asia or maybe she's talking about like maybe specifically India or China or Russia or I don't know but if she's talking about like a lot of these countries, a lot of these countries subjugate women pretty bad. Like it's really not even, not even, like, I don't know how you look at that and say, these are a bunch of strong men. This is what we need to try to attain. I don't know. So anyways, the big thing also here is that she immediately, she ends with the big final blow, right? She equates all of this to Marxism. And that is a very key tactic. In order to be able to get a lot of clicks on the right side of the aisle, something has to be Marxist, okay? It has to be communist. The, the right side of the aisle hates communism. The left side of the aisle hates fascism, okay? It's just how it goes. That's the big buzzword. If you want to get conservatives riled up, say that something is Marxist. It's been happening for years and years, and Marxism Marxism is not a good thing, right? I'm not going to be sitting here acting like I'm a proponent of Marxism, but not everything is Marxism, and I'll, of course, get into that in a minute. But the left, of course, jumps in to defend Harry Styles doing a whole bunch of gaslighting, right? So the big claim here on the left is that this was just Harry Styles being Harry, right? He's just out there having fun, chilling, doing a little photo shoot. He likes to wear a dress every now and then, nothing wrong with that. Um, Marcy Bianco, she's a, quote, cultural critic writing for NBC News' opinion section, said, quote, for Styles, clothes are there to have fun with and experiment with and play with, he says in his accompanying Vogue interview. So I guess all of the left immediately was like going to just ignore all of the massive amounts of like toxic masculinity and stuff they've been pushing for the past couple years. The left-leaning argument that there is no such thing as gender at all, that gender is just a societal or social structure. There's no biological gender at all. Um, all that stuff that they've been talking about and toting for years and years now. They're just going to ignore all that. They're just going to act like none of that is real. And Harry Styles coming out and wearing a dress really it was just him out there having fun. It's not any type of statement at all. Come on. It is obvious that when somebody like Harry Styles or Boy George back in the day, I don't care who it is, when they come out and they do something that is obviously against societal norms, they're doing it to make a statement and they're doing it to get a lot of attention. So, I mean, it's okay. Like that's just what they're doing. Um, just call it what it is. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Like Harry Styles can wear whatever he wants to wear. There's nothing wrong with him doing that. But I mean, you at least got to call a spade a spade and be like, look, I mean, come on. He's obviously, you know, trying to get a lot of attention here. That's okay. It just is what he's doing. So there are a couple of things here. First, we have to make this clear. This is the far right attacking the far left, making a very pointed attack on the far left. This is not an argument that most people care about at all. The vast majority of that middle group there in the center of the country don't care at all that Harry Styles wore a dress. They don't. It is the far right making a pointed attack against the far left, trying to wage this culture war back and forth and trying to gain some ground. Whenever you're having a bit of a dry spell in the news cycle, like I said before, stories like this are just going to rise to the top and they're going to become huge news. If you have been convinced that Harry Styles wearing a dress on the cover of Vogue magazine is an indication that he and the entirety of the Democratic Party are toting Marxism and actively working in order to be able to deconstruct society and degrade everything that we hold dear within our American values. I might suggest you should probably step back from social media a little bit, rethink things, take a deep breath, and maybe then come back to things and start to look at things from a little bit of a different perspective. Okay? Please do not be easily scared by someone just saying that someone is a Marxist. I don't think that Harry Styles is a Marxist. I don't think the majority of the Democrats are Marxist. Just because someone is wearing a dress doesn't mean that they are supporting tearing down completely the structures of American society. It isn't the first time that a guy has worn a dress. It definitely will not be the last time that a guy wears a dress and it doesn't really matter all that much. (laughs) So secondly, this is, I guess, my critique on the left. The far left is saying that this isn't a wink and nod at all to any sort of Marxism. And they're saying that this has absolutely nothing to do at all with gender identity and changing societal or gender norms. Of course it is. All right. Now, I'm not saying that this is an all-out attack on every single thing that Americans hold dear, but it is very clear that there is a far-left portion of, the, le- of, of you know, the Democratic Party in the United States that is actively pushing for socialist and Marxist agendas. We understand that. We see that. They are totally open about that. So within that same piece— that Marcy Bianco wrote earlier. She wrote, quote, Marxism, at its simplest, is an ideology that espouses the creation of a classless society and provides the framework for communism as practice. That is true at face value, and that's what a lot of the left is kind of talking about right now. Well, this isn't really and an, you know, I guess... There's nothing really wrong, I guess, this far left portion of America. There's anything wrong necessarily with Marxism, okay? It's really just trying to create a classless society, right? That's all we want. We don't want a hierarchy where people have power over other people. At face value, that seems okay, but it's incredibly disingenuous. Marxism is scary, and the reason why the right wing of the aisle is scared of Marxism is because. It works to actively group people together based upon pre-subscribed characteristics as a means by which to strip those people of an identity and create a society where autonomy is discouraged. I'm not saying that a guy wearing a dress right now, that Harry Styles wearing a dress on the cover of Vogue magazine is a step towards, uh, you know, a week from now, the Bolsheviks walking down Pennsylvania Avenue and taking over the White House. But acting like that is not something that the far left portion of the of the democrats want is crazy too right we can find a middle ground here harry styles i <laughs> don't think is a marxist pushing marxist ideals onto people and doing his best to totally deconstruct american society but the far left for sure pushes that they for sure want to push marxism okay and finding that middle ground where you can say, all right, Marxism's not good. A dude wearing a dress, I don't really care. Whatever. He, they, people do to each his own. If that's what he wants to do, then that's what he wants to do. Some people obviously get very upset or offended by that, but like I believe in most things, it's the fringes. It's the people on both sides of the aisle. And this is also a fantastic time to shamelessly plug split the difference podcast. And I don't know, being a little bit more moderate and level-headed when you see stuff like this happening on social media and all over the world. So with all of that being said, let's hop on in to our story number three. So for our third story of the day, Trump decides that he wants to pull troops from Afghanistan and Iraq. Um, He isn't wanting to pull every single person out. I think right now the idea that he's going for um, is to significantly reduce the numbers from about 4,500 troops in Afghanistan to about 2,500 and then from about 3,000 troops to about 2,500 in Iraq. Um, He's doing this because he said that he wants to keep his campaign promise of ending the never-ending wars that the United States is always in and it has been met with a Pretty good bit of hostility from both sides of the aisle. The left pretty much just hate whatever it is that Trump does. Most all of the arguments that the left that I've read um, are basically saying that the conditions haven't been met that Trump said and that he's agreed with military advisors on um, in order to be able to actually withdraw troops. They're definitely right about this. He has pretty much gotten no support from all of his head military advisors. Um, The right really doesn't support it because they don't think enough has been done in order to be able to ensure stability on the ground. So they don't think that Trump needs to just withdraw troops just because he said he wants to have those troops withdrawn. He only he needs to withdraw those troops if they actually need to be withdrawn. So it's clear right now that Donald Trump is kind of working to do everything that he can to solidify himself with his base specifically. Um, he wants to be able to ensure that when he leaves office, his base looks at him and they're like, that guy did every single thing that I wanted him to do. That guy, I voted him in because he was going to be able to, um, you know, withdraw the troops from Afghanistan and Iraq. He was going to fight back against political correctness. He was going to uh, help limit illegal immigration. He was going to try and fix things on health care. He was going to all these things that Donald Trump said that he was going to do. He was going to put in a big tax cut, which Donald Trump did. Um, And a lot of his base really like to see the things, obviously, that they want Donald Trump to do. Even if it means it's at the expense of other things, or if it isn't timed well, or it really isn't the best foreign policy, or even domestic policy to begin with. So I think there's a lot of things that he that he's going to do right here at the end of his presidency, in order to be able to solidify himself in the eyes of his supporters. So we're already seeing. This is a great example with the with the troop draws from. iraq and afghanistan but we're already seeing this going through and a couple other different things um he's starting to put some more restrictions around welfare care recipients and people that would be receiving disability from the federal government and aid that was a huge problem or a huge promise that he made to his supporters that he would try to pull get america off of welfare was one of the phrases that he used um He also will likely uh, make another last-minute move to do something with immigration, especially with uh, the stuff coming down with DACA earlier in the week. Um, And then we're going to start to see Donald Trump start to move and position himself uh, as best as he can in a positive light in front of his supporters. I think a lot of this also ties into Donald Trump continuing to say that the election was stolen from him and that there was a lot of voter fraud. He doesn't want his supporters to think that he lost. He would rather them think that there was a large... Left leaning force in the government and in media in order to be able to attack him and remove him from office. So we'll have to see what he decides to do. Uh, It's a smart move on his part politically because he's firing up his base, but it really kind of leads to the question of like, why is he doing this here at the very end? And it really begs the question, what will Donald Trump do when he leaves? And I think that I know. So I personally think that Donald Trump is going to create a gigantic conservative news media outlet or conglomerate when he gets out. Okay, I think that Donald Trump, in these last you know 30 to 45 days of his presidency, is going to sit is going to really start just knocking things out one by one that the left side of the aisle is going to absolutely hate. And they're going to continue with this vitriol against him. And he's going to look at his supporters and he's going to be like, guys, I've done everything that I can possibly do in order to be able to make sure that you guys aren't taken down by this crazy left-leaning media. And then he's going to hop out of office and he's going, to hang, he's going to meet up with Ivanka and Jared and he's going to meet up with Don Jr. and he's going to start talking around to these conservative media outlets and he's going to be like, Let's do it. Six months after all these people are saying that Donald Trump is going to run for a second term in 2024. I don't think it, I don't buy it at all. Donald Trump is one of, we're going to want to get out and start making a lot more money with all of this even further po- fame that he's created in this incredibly emphatic fan base that he's got now. And I think you're starting to see a lot of more conservative news outlets start to gear up for this. Um, ben Shapiro's Daily Wire has been growing by huge amounts over the past three to four years. They're planning on partnering up, partnering up with PragerU, which is a huge conservative kind of like news and video maker. And, you know, they have got a bunch of political pundits there. Uh, they're going to be building out in a whole new investigative journalist wing. And they're also hiring on Candace Owens, one of the people that we talked about earlier. Uh, Ben Shapiro already has connections with Breitbart, another far right-leaning news outlet. I think you're going to see the New York Post hop in on it, Politico, all these right-wing things instead of maybe maybe not Fox News. But you're going to see a lot of these companies, I think, start to partner up a lot more, work together a lot more, and start to form a big old conglomerate. And it's all going to be done because Donald Trump is going to come out and say, listen, guys, I have... The biggest fan base, probably in the entire world. I just had over 70 million people vote me in as president, and they are almost all convinced that it was stolen from me by the evil left wing news media. Now's the time to do it. Let's make a whole bunch of money. So, you heard it here. I totally think that's what's going to happen if we get. Six months or eight months from now, and I'm right. I'm totally gonna play this clip again, and all you guys have to share this podcast to 150 of your closest friends. <laughs> so, with all of that, let's go ahead and end the show on something that made me smile. So, something that made me smile this week is very simple. We had our first cold snap of the year here in South Carolina, and let me tell you, it has been glorious. That's why I broke out my flannel today, that's why I've got my beard going right now for No Shave November it finally got cold. I walked out this morning and it was like 40 degrees, 45 degrees when I was walking my trash can down to the road. And I was like, oh, that is exactly what I need in my life. I love that cold weather, that cold snap. So nice to be able to sit out by a fire, enjoy the outdoors a little bit more. Listen, I know, A lot of my listeners up in New York or out in Colorado right now, Pennsylvania, Ohio, they're probably sitting there like, this guy doesn't even know what cold is. It has been snowing here for a month and a half already. I know that. I know that. But let me enjoy my slightly less ridiculously hot temperatures that I normally feel. So with all of that, that is the show. Thank you for joining in and listening in today. We had a good time putting this one together. We appreciate all your love and support. Please continue to share us around if you enjoy what we do here. Follow us on on all the different social medias. I'm on Instagram at Split the Difference Podcast with one T. I'm on Facebook. I'm on YouTube. You can find me on my website as well at splitthedifference.com. Drop me a like, a subscribe, turn on the notification bell so that way you know when I'm releasing new stuff. Um, and as always, guys, we're gonna do our best to stay level-headed to stay reasonable and always split the difference. This is Austin Taylor.